We've had an amazing weekend with our Embrace um, marriage conference already. And one of the things that I love to do, it may be my favorite thing to do, uh, is to be able to reach out and bring our friends, fellow ministers in the gospel, in to actually impart and deposit. And I did. I said that the first service, and I had I had a couple people come to me afterwards and said, you have some great friends. They did a great job. And I'm like, that is so cool. But Bob and Kara Grimm, pastors Bob and Kara Grimm, they pastor a great church in Walla Walla, Washington. And it's called Life Church. Uh, we have known them and, and been in relationship and connected with them for probably 20 or more years. I know we don't look that old, but it is, it, it is, it's been, you know, I've spoken at a couple of their, their men's camps and, and a few years ago, Pastor Kara was uh, the, the keynote speaker at our Bloom Conference. And we just love these guys. We love people in your church. You guys have got amazing leaders. We've had, you know, Pastor Lon here, Caleb here. Uh, we're just so connected. And I love it that we get to introduce you to them and let Pastor Bob preach the word this morning to us. Can you put your hands together and give them a warm house of the Lord welcome? Come on. Love you, buddy. <laughs> All right. Go ahead and fist bump somebody around you. Let them know you're glad to see them in church. Tell them they can't sing worth a lick, but they look good. I'm so grateful you guys took a moment to, to honor your pastors. We love them so much. As Pastor Jeff said, that we've known each other for about 20 years, and he is a connector of connectors. He got us connected to the network that you're connected to as a church, Ministers Fellowship International, and he probably connected 900 of the 1,000 pastors that are a part of it. They're incredible people. You are truly, truly blessed. Uh, anybody excited to be in church today? I'm excited to be here. It is, I consider it a great honor to be able to share God's Word, open up God's Word with you this morning, and, uh, and I'm really excited to be able to share on the subject that I, I believe God has burdened my heart, to give really an impartation to the church and awaken a basic truth of being a Christ follower with you today. I want you to imagine with me, if you could, going back 2,000 years, and what, what if God let us time travel together? And we peaked, we were walking down the roads of Jerusalem, we were walking down the, the roads of the early church, and let's say that she had just been born, Jesus had been resurrected, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit had happened, and we're six months into the church's birth. Thousands of people have been saved, and we get an opportunity to walk down the streets and to peek our head around the corner or into the window or inside the doors of a church meeting on Sunday morning. And then we, we see that and we, we walk down throughout the week and we peek in at some Christians that are gathering during the week. And the next Sunday, we get a peek in at a different church and we get to see what the church is doing. What would be the common denominator of all those Christian gatherings that we got to look in a window or peek in a door of the early church six months after she was born? I think it wouldn't necessarily be that Christian television was on or we had cool LED screens, even though I think if they had them back then, they would have had them, or smoke machines, or, or any of that, or posting on social media the miracles that had just taken place. I think there would be one common denominator, and Jesus says it in this scripture. So I want to take a look at it. In Matthew chapter 21, Jesus entered the temple, so he showed up into church one day, and he began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. Now that is like maybe not a picture of Jesus that you have, but he does show up to church sometimes, 
and he's passionate about what the church should be. And when the church isn't being what he wants it to be, it's not got the elements that he thinks it should have. He knocks those elements out. And then he says this to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of, and I left it blank because I thought there might be somebody who's never heard the scripture, or I wanted you to put yourself in the disciples position. You're on the edge of your feet and you're thinking, what is he going to say after all that activity? He goes, my temple will be called a house of what? And we're thinking it'll be called a house of preaching. It'll be called a house of worship. It'll be a, called a, a house of generosity. Or it'll be a, called, a, called a house of whatever you might fill in the blank. Like house of miracles. I think all of those things would be great. And I'm, I'm called to be a preacher. I would have liked it if he would have said my house would be called a house of preaching. I would have been, yes, let's go. Let's do it. But that's not what he said. You all know what he said. He said my, my temple will be called a house of what? It'll be, my, my temple will be called a house of prayer. So that's what I want to talk about today. I want to open up God's word about prayer. I believe that it is a basic element of Christianity that needs to be sure that it's kept burning and alive and strong in our life, and it literally has the power to change our life. So let me ask this question. Is there anyone here who thinks they pray too much and get, and get too many answers to their, prayer, to their prayers? Anybody? Because we all want to know who you are. We want to hang out with you and want to give you our list of all our prayer needs. Nobody thinks they pray too much, and nobody thinks they're too effective. Like, I just, I mean, everything, I, every single time I pray, I get exactly what I want. Nobody thinks that they pray too much or they get, they're too effective at their prayer life. Yet, so we believe, we, yet we believe in prayer. Most of us would say, does God answer, if we were asked, does God answer prayer, we'd say yes. Is prayer a powerful thing? We'd say yes, it is. And, and so for some reason, somewhere along the journey, we have a tendency to lose the art of prayer and to lose our, our, our passion for it. And I believe that today God is going to reignite a passion for prayer in house of the Lord. It's going to reignite it in your personal house and in your life. I remember I, I first heard about prayer when I was a kid, and maybe you did as well. And I like hearing how kids pray. Kids' prayers are so innocent and, and sometimes a little funny. And I, I, I found a couple kids' prayers that I liked. I wanted to read them to you. Here's one. Dear God, if you can't make me a better boy, don't worry about it. I'm having a real good time like I am. <laughs> Some of us are older and we basically pray prayers like that, right? How about this one? Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. <laughs> and I'm telling you, your pastors have the cutest dogs ever. I fell in, if you've never been to their house, they, they're, they're dog owners. And they, anyway, I don't want to go off on their dogs. But Here's another one. Dear God, it must be super hard to love all the people in the world, especially my brother. I don't know how you do it. I love these. All right, so let me just give you a couple. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you a couple foundational truths about prayer that we need to be reminded, and I don't want to unpack prayer and how we can make it effective in our life. Does that sound good? All right, first truth is this. Prayer is given to be answered. God gave us the gift of prayer because he wants to answer prayer. God didn't give us prayer to frustrate us. God didn't give us prayer so it would be something relegated to a spiritual discipline. Like, he didn't give it so that you could become a spiritual giant. It's none of that. God gave prayer as a gift to be answered. So I love this scripture out of Hebrews 4. It says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. So let's, in other words, let's, let's go and talk to God that we may obtain. Say the word obtain. obtain. All right. 
we are given the opportunity to come before God so that we could obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. These words stood out to me, obtain, find, and grace, or help, find, help, and obtain. All of this, we approach God in order to find something, in order to obtain something. So prayer is given to us in order to be answered. And I heard someone say one time, if you don't have any answers to prayer, get some. In other words, don't stop, because this is why God gave it to you. God gave us the gift of prayer in order to be answered. And God began to reveal this to me shortly after I was filled with the Holy Spirit in my late teens. And I grew up Catholic, so I, I knew a certain uh, about of prayer a certain way, memorized prayers. I'll talk about that in a few moments. But then I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm 18 years old, 19 years old. And the Holy Spirit is trying to teach me one of the first basic principles of being a Christ follower. And he's trying to teach me about prayer. And I'm driving along in my car when all of a sudden I had this burden of prayer come upon me for a friend of mine in college. And I began to pray out loud and I began to say prayer in a way that I've never lifted my voice like that before. And I began to pray like with authority. Well, I'd never really prayed like that before. And I began to pray specific things over my friend. And I said stuff like this. I said, I, in the name of Jesus, I declare chains to be broken off their life right now. And it lasted for probably literally only 45 seconds. But then all of a sudden, then I kind of calmed down as I'm driving in my car. And I go, well, that was really interesting, Holy Spirit. And I get home and the phone rings. This is back when phones weren't connected to you like an umbilical cord. You actually had to go to a place where there was a phone. And, we, and so I go and the, pick up the phone, and this is literally just a few minutes later, maybe 10 minutes later, and I pick up the phone, and my friend says, 10 minutes ago, which is right when I was praying in the car, and said, 10 minutes ago, I was in my dorm room watching my favorite TV show, when all of a sudden, the presence of God came in my dorm room, and I turned the TV off, and I knelt by my bed, and I felt as if chains were broken off of me. Same exact words that I just prayed. And I thought, well, this is so interesting. As the Holy Spirit was trying to teach me about this great gift that he's given us called prayer, where we can partner with God and we could see what God wants done in people's lives actually done. It's not given to us to frustrate us, my friends. Prayer is given to us in order to be answered. And the church needs the power of prayer. Our families need the power of prayer. Our businesses and our finances, come on, they need the power of prayer. How many of you know our kids need the power of prayer? How many of you would agree with me our nation needs the power of prayer, right? So we need the power of prayer, and prayer is available. Maybe you've heard of this great evangelist in the early 1800s, Maybe you haven't. Let me tell you about him. His name is Charles Finney. Charles Finney was a, an incredibly effective evangelist in the early 1800s in the United States, used powerfully by God in the Second Great Awakening to see thousands upon thousands of people come to faith in Jesus. Charles Finney, what you might not know about his ministry and how, how, why it was so effective, is there was another pastor by the name of Daniel Nash who was called by God to give up his pastorate, and to go ahead of Charles Finney as a prayer warrior to pray in all the cities that Charles Finney was about ready to go to. Char Daniel Nash was also known as Father Nash, and he would go three to four weeks in advance to any city that Charles Finney was scheduled to go. 
He would go find some like-minded believers, three or four other people. He would rent a cellar or a room, and he would fast and pray ahead of the meetings that Charles Finney was scheduled to have. And he would reach a point in prayer at some point along that journey where he would know, I found breakthrough in prayer. And he would let Charles Finney know breakthrough has happened over this city. And then Charles Finney would come in and preach the gospel, and thousands of people would come to faith in Jesus. Well, it came to pass over years later that Father Nash or Daniel Nash actually passed away. Kind of cool how he passed away. He passed away on his knees, no surprise, in prayer. Well, Charles Finney knew. He said, you know what? There's really no reason to continue in the evangelistic circuit without the prayers of Father Nash. So he, he said, I'm just going to go back to pastoring as if pastoring doesn't need a lot of prayer. But he, he accredited all the effectiveness of his evangelistic ministry to the prayers of Father Nash. We need some Father Nashes raised up in the church today. Some people who will go ahead of every outreach and every meeting and every gathering and all the vision of God over a local church and over a region. Region, We need some Father Nashes to be raised up so that God can do all that he wants to do. All right, so that's the first truth, that prayer is given in order to be answered. I just want us to lay this foundation. Another foundation that I want us to just recognize is that prayer is the difference between what I can do and what God can do. And you know what? Let's just get real honest here. Just, just because you're an honest church, you got vulnerable and authentic pastors. Let's just be vulnerable and authentic as a people as well. How many of you would recognize with me that what we can do isn't really that good? right? I know what we can do. I know that we can get in debt. We can break families apart. We can, we can ruin our lives. We can ruin the lives of others. We can live depressed lives. We can, we can do all of that kind of stuff, but prayer is given so that we can see the difference between what we can do and what God can do. Is there anybody here that would love to see what God can do rather than just what you can do? You see, we're supposed to have families that are better than the families that we could produce. We're supposed to raise kids that are better than the kids that we could raise. We're supposed to build businesses that are more successful than the businesses that we could raise. We're supposed to affect a region and have friendships and relationships and atmospheres better than what we could do on our own. Prayer is given to show us, here's the difference between what you can do as a, as a spouse, what you can do as a parent, what you can do as a pastor, what you can do as a home group leader, what you can do as, a, as, 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 as whatever you might do as in a business owner. It, the prayer is given to show us, here's the difference between what your abilities are and what what my abilities are. We, are. we were never designed by God to live a natural life. We were designed by God to live a supernatural life. And prayer is the difference between living a natural life and living a supernatural life. You see, our parenting, let me just stop, just rest on that just for a minute, minute, is not just supposed to be about, you know, what kind of love I can produce, what kind of wisdom I can produce, or what kind of intuition I might have. I need the discernment of the Spirit of God. I need the wisdom of God. I need the patience of God. I need the love of God. I need the strength of God. I need all of what God can give me as a parent, and I need all of what God can give me in every arena of life. I got good news for you. All of what God can give you is available to you today. It's available through the gift called prayer. So prayer is the means by which we live lives that are beyond our ability. Second Chronicles chapter 26 says this. He sought God. He sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. 
See, there's the difference between what you can do and what God can do. As long as he sought God, that was the NIV. The ESV, English Standard Version, says this. He set himself to seek God. Oh, house of the Lord. Come on, let's be a people who set ourselves to seek God that we, we determined to set our, our lives to be a kind of people that will seek God. And if we do, this is what he says. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. I love that. It's like my job is not to do all the things that I want done. My job is to set myself to seek God, and then God just makes all the stuff I do prosper. God makes my parenting better. God makes my business better. God makes all the stuff better. Why? Because I set myself to seek God. How many of you would like it if God just made you prosper? Like, you're, I'm trying not to prosper, honestly. I'm trying not to. And God just makes me. He makes my relationships prosper. He makes my marriage blessed. He, he, makes, the, he makes all that stuff happen. Why? Because I set myself to seek the face of God. All right. Everything about my life, the reason I talk about this subject today is because, ev- not the only reason, it, uh, one of the reasons is this, it's obviously in the Bible. The other reason is this, all of my life is the fruit of prayer. Everything about my life is a direct result of prayer. Uh, I, I, as I mentioned before, I grew up a Catholic. That doesn't mean I knew God. We didn't know God. My mom didn't know God. My dad definitely didn't know God. And my brothers didn't like God. So that was our family. And my mom would take me and my brothers to the Catholic church, not knowing Jesus at all. But then my mom got born again. My mom met Jesus, began to be discipled by an assembly of God pastor. Well, she gets saved. I give my life to the Lord through a babysitter at about 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there. I think it's about 11 years old. Gave my life to the Lord. And then my mom, because our family was just a wreck. My dad was a alcoholic and didn't get happy when he got drunk. He got really angry when he got drunk. So there was a lot of fighting in our home and things a kid should never witness between a a dad and their kids. And so I, I watched all that and my mom held on to something called prayer. And for some reason, God put a tenacity inside my mother for believing that he could, he could change my dad's life. Believing that he could change my drug-addicted brothers. Believing that he could change angry people into caring and loving people. So here's what she did. She knelt by my bed every single night as a young boy. Now, because we were Catholics, we had these prayers that we memorized. And now that she was really born again and discipled by an assembly of God pastor, we made up our own prayer, but we memorized it. And so my mom would kneel by my bed and And she would pray this particular prayer. And there's pieces of the prayer, even today, decades later, that I pray almost every single day. She would cover an area of our life spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, and financially. And I'm like, still today, I go, that covers it all. So I, I pray that still even to this day. But my mom would pray by my bedside every single night, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, living in a hellhole where most people would have given up a long time before. But she believed that prayer is the difference between what we can do and what God can do. And there's a great vast difference between that. So she held on to the Lord in prayer by my bed every day. And eventually about three, four years later, 
my dad got gloriously born again. He never touched alcohol again. And the angry man that was fighting with my older brothers, he loved them. And he sought, for, he sought out repentance and forgiveness and reconciliation with them. Well, they had a lot of father wounds. Took them a little bit of time. A couple more years, my middle brother gives his life to Jesus. Now it's three and four of us out of the five are praying for my oldest brother. And then my oldest brother who took the blunt, the, the blunt end of all of that pain took him a few more years, but he couldn't he couldn't resist all the prayers that have been prayed every single day for so many years. And he gave his life to Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, he became the most radical Christian you have ever met. I'm a pastor. He made me uncomfortable. And he was in. <laughs> and I'm telling you, all the days of his life, he just recently passed away. And I'm, I'm telling you what, he is, he got a grand entrance into heaven with all kinds of people that are there because he led them to Jesus. Every single day, he was like, who can I find that needs Jesus? So all, all of my life, I married the right person. I, I, the call into ministry, the, uh, being in my, the city that I'm at and seeing what God's doing, I attribute all of it. Everything in my life, I attribute to the fruit of prayer. I know I'm I, God has blessed our ministry and there's amazing things that God's doing in our church just like what he's doing here. Same exact stuff. Same stuff he's doing here, he's doing there. And I know that what he's doing here and I know that what he's doing in my city is not just, it's not, it's not really attributed to because your pastors are great preachers and great pastors and they are. I give them a lot of credit, you do too. And, and it's, not, it's not the giftings that, you know, these, wow, they can really sing. Listen to those voices. It's because somebody's praying up here. Honestly, that's really, listen, it's because somebody in this church believes in prayer. Your pastors pray, you pray. I know it's back at home. It's because people are praying and it's because people pray. We get to see the difference between what we can do and what God can do. Are you grateful for this gift with me today? I'm grateful for the gift of prayer. Ian Bounds says this. He says, the story of prayer is the story of great achievements. Prayer is a wonderful power placed by almighty God in the hands of his saints. I want to give you another quote. It's going to be up on the screen by Bishop J.C. Riley. Check this out. Nothing seems to be too great, too hard, or too difficult for prayer to do. It has obtained things that seemed impossible and out of reach. It has won victories over fire, air, earth, and water. Prayer opened the Red Sea. Prayer brought water from the rock and bread from heaven. Prayer made the sun stand still. Prayer brought fire from the sky on Elijah's sacrifice. Prayer turned the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Prayer overthrew the army of Sennacherib. Well said, Mary, Queen of Scots. I fear John Knox's prayers more than an army of 10,000 men. Prayer has healed the sick. Prayer has raised the dead. Prayer has procured the conversion of souls. Can I hear an amen to that? So prayer is the difference between what I can do and what God, God can do. Prayer is given in order to be answered, not in order to frustrate you. And very simply, prayer is for everybody. It's not just for the grandmothers. It's not just for retired people. It's not, it's not for just pastors or ministers or, or for people who are in trouble. Prayer is for middle schoolers. Prayer is for elementary school kids. Prayer is for adults and singles and, mar and married. And prayer, prayer is for business. Prayer is for everybody. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I guess prayer is for you too. Go ahead and just tell them. Prayer is for you too. 
You know, when we gave birth to our kids, well, <laughs> when my wife gave birth to our kids, I passed out, but it was all good. When she gave birth to our kids, we didn't have to, at the moment they took their first breath, we didn't have to have a little classroom setting and say, hey, uh, we got to teach you how to breathe. They went through the birth canal and boom, they <gasps> took their first breath. It was a natural response to being born. To being born, they, they, they breathe. I want to tell you, when you're born again, your natural, your supernatural response, your first breath is, God, God. You, be, you have this ability to pray, and you will have a desire to connect to God. It is as natural as the first breath of a newborn baby. God gave you this breath to, to connect to him, to, to pray to him, to, to have a communication with God. James tells us in chapter 5, he said that the earnest prayer of a righteous person is great power and produces wonderful results. All right, preacher man, um, then just tell me how I can do this. How can I open up that gift? Thank you for asking. I, 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 want, to, I just want to give you just two thoughts. How can I make this a real part of my life? How, if it's given to be answered, not to frustrate me or just to be a spiritual di di discipline to see if I'm a real Christian or to see if I'm, you know, you know, you know I'm, I, I can be really, you know, a disciplined person. What is it? How do I do it? The first thought is this, that, I, that I've discovered that God really likes to answer prayers for people that are, their life is all about what he's doing. And, and so what, if you'll build what God is building then God will more readily answer the prayers of somebody who's a part of what God is doing. So build his church. Tie in your life to what the Lord is doing. Because Jesus said this, I'm going to build my church. That's what Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. So I've found that when I tie my life up to what he's doing in the earth, then my prayers become a part of what he's wanting to do in the earth, rather than God just bless me, bless me, bless me with my dream, my dream, my dream. You see, the Bible teaches us really simply. He says, you have not because you ask not. That's one reason, because you're not praying. The other reason you don't get, he said, because you ask amiss, because you ask for just selfish reasons rather than letting your life be a part of what God is doing in the earth. You know, the summer before last, um, I, my wife and I were trying to sell uh, one of our used cars in, in order to pay ourselves back for some college expenses. So we had set an amount, $5,000, that's set to sell this Yukon, and uh, let's pay ourselves back for that, that stuff. So I put it on Facebook, put it everywhere I knew how, and man, a couple months go by, and like nobody's interested, and like, well, obviously, uh, you know, it's not that easy to sell a car. And then I had this idea. You know what, how about we dedicate the car to God and all the proceeds will go to this, give, this area of giving in our church that we call legacy that just is for the expansion of the gospel through our church, missions and stuff like that. So we, we did. We said, okay, we dedicate the car to you, God. We tried selling it to, for ourselves. We give it to you. Guess what happened? <laughs> Immediately, <laughs> someone contacts me. And they go, hey, can I see your car? I say, sure, you can. Yeah, where, where do you want to meet? I say, okay, we'll meet at this, our, our parking lot. So we meet down at the church parking lot, and they're doing all the things that you do when you're, at least what the men do when they're trying to buy a used car, you know, pop the hood. You know, I pop the hood. I'm like, it's got an engine. That's good. It's not a Fred Flintstone car. You don't have to pedal this thing. 
But they're checking it all out, going like, what is this a five-point whatever leader, or is it a this kind of leader? And I'm like, I don't know leaders other than the water bottles. That's all I know. And so they're looking on doors and stickers and in the engine, and they're doing all that and starting it up and kicking the tires and doing all that you should do. And so finally they say, okay. They knew what I was asking, but he asked below it. Because I wanted $5,000 to give to the Lord. Right? I'm like, this is what I had said to the Lord. Well, we agreed on 4200 bucks, And I just go, oh, that's fine. Inside I'm going, well, I'll just make up the difference of the other 800 and we're going to give 5000 to the Lord. So he goes to the back of his truck and he you know, opens up uh, the back crew cab and pulls out some cash and 4200 bucks, and I'm getting out the title. And then he asked me what I do. And I said, oh, well, I actually pastor this church. And it's almost like he backed up, like he was afraid he was going to get struck with lightning. And he goes, well, I'm not giving you, I'm not giving you 4200 I'm giving you what you asked for right now. He goes back to his truck, gets out another $800 cash. I mean, it was like an ATM in the back of his truck. I don't know how much cash he had back there. But he kept going back and just getting cash. And he pulls out another $800, $5,000 total. And inside, I'm going, God, you're, you're, you're so good. Well, I find out he's a believer. And we're sitting here talking, and he's t- telling me some stories, and even a generosity story he tells me about how God came through. And, and I said, well, we're telling stories. You're actually in a story right now. And I told him what I just told you about the car and it, dedicating it to God, and all the proceeds are going to go to this thing that we call legacy. I, I, I said, I'm, I'm actually walking from here inside the church, and it, it won't even go into my bank account. It's going straight into the church. I just thought he would rejoice with me, and he did but he went back to the ATM in his truck and got another $1,000. Got another $1,000 cash and put it out. So I had a $5,000 prayer for me. It didn't get answered, but when I dedicated it to God, my $5,000 prayer turned into $6,000. So what I'm telling you is this. If you'll build what God's building, if you'll allow your heart and your life and the giftings on your life to be a part of what God is doing here, in old, we're in Old Town, not Newport right now, right? We're in Old Town. But he was doing stuff in Newport too because you live there and you live all over the place. But if you'll allow yourself to be a part of what God is building in the house of the Lord, your prayers will become a part of what God is doing in the house of the Lord. And I'm here to tell you, you'll begin to see answers to your prayers unlike you've maybe ever seen answers to your prayer. And sometimes we're frustrated because we're honestly just making our life about us and trying to build what we're trying to build. But how about we dedicate our life to doing what God is doing in the earth and building what God is building in the earth. And then we're going to begin to see answers to our prayers the way that we always wanted to see them. And then that's the first thought. And I'm only going to give you two. And the second thought is this, get a plan, get a plan on how to pray. I found that a lot of people lose unpacking this gift of prayer because they just don't know what to do when they get there. They don't know what to say when they get there. They get there and they're just like, hi, um, I'm here, and uh, I don't know really what to do while I'm here. And so what I've found is, is that when I have a plan on what I do when I get to prayer, that I cover all the bases of prayer, and I don't forget the different stuff that I want to pray for. And the best plan that I've, I, I know how, and it, maybe it's because it goes back to some of my Catholic roots, but it also was, I was taught this in my early 20s, and I want to give it to you very simply and it's the, the, the Lord's Prayer. And, and I don't just mean that I go and I repeat it like I did when I was a Catholic. But it goes like this. It says in Matthew 6, verse 9, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, in this manner, therefore pray. In other words, I want you to pray in this outline. Let this be an outline of your prayer life, not something that you repeat, 
but something that guides you in your prayer so you have a plan. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So I take that part of the prayer and I did this this morning before I came here and I say that. I say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then what I do is I pick a a, a part of God's nature because his name represents who he is. And today I said, God, you're a God who hears. And I thank you that you're a God who hears. You're a God who gave us this great gift of communication to talk to you. And I just want to praise your name for a few moments that you do hear us. I thank you for who you are. And you just pick an aspect of who God is or a couple parts of his character and you thank him and you praise him. And you see, this is what the Bible, why the Bible teaches us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Enter his course with thanksgiving and his course with praise. And that's why your church service always starts with singing and worship. Because that's, why the, that's how the Bible teaches us to approach God. Approach him thankfully and give him honor and praise. So that's what I do. And I said this morning, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then I thanked him. And then I say it, I say out loud, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is the part where I begin to pray for the things on earth that don't look like what it looks like in heaven. I say maybe there's parts of relationships or, your, or areas of your life or healing in somebody's body that you know in heaven it's going to be healed. So I pray, God, like it is in heaven, all that good stuff up there, I pray for that person's body to be made whole or I pray for peace in their mind. And I just pray for the kingdom of God to come and his will to be done on earth in areas that my heart is burdened with. And then I say, after that, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I say, give us this day our daily bread. And that's my opportunity to pray. I've been praying it like this the, probably the last six months. I just say, God, I want to hear your word because man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word. So I want to hear your voice. I want to speak to me a word from you today. But I think very practically, Jesus was saying to that generation, he said, talk about the needs in your life. Talk about the financial needs to, in your life to the Lord. Go ahead and give them before him. Give me today my daily bread. So God, will you help me pay that bill off? Will you help me to get out of debt? Will you help me and find a job? Or I pray over those areas of my life. Give me this day my daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This is your chance to get your heart clean before everybody. If anyone has hurt you or offended you, release forgiveness to them. And it's also your opportunity then to say, God, cleanse my heart of any unrighteousness, any sins in my life. I pray, God, that you would cleanse that and, and forgive me for it. And after that, I pray, God, lead us. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So this is your opportunity to take a moment and to pray, God, will you send heaven's resources over my family or over my life and over our church or over whatever situation? God, will you send angels? And God, will you protect us from the evil one? Because Jesus taught us to pray like this and in this manner. So I pray like Psalm 91 is a good prayer to pray. And I pray some Isaiah scriptures, God, that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And then I say, and God, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And I end up my prayer thanking God again. And I just praise his name again because this is the pattern. And if you'll begin to pray like that and to begin to pray, have some sort of plan when you go to prayer, you're going to find that it's far more effective. You're not going to be bored. You're going to, you're going to have something to say. And you're, and you're going to begin to see answers to your prayer. Because why? Because you began to build what he was building and you had a plan when you got there. Church, that is my what what I wanted to impart to you today 
But I, want to, I just want to pray one particular powerful prayer with you this morning. And it's the most important and powerful prayer you're ever praying in your life. And that's what I prayed when I was 11. And you might be here thinking, I don't know if I'm right with God today. Or I'm pretty sure I'm not right with Him. But I would love to leave this place right with Him. You're one prayer away from getting right with God. And even though when I was 11, I didn't know what I was praying with a babysitter, God heard it and He made good on it. And He said, I heard that prayer. And God literally changed the trajectory of my life in a prayer that I didn't fully understand. And you could be here today saying, I don't fully understand what it means to be born again or to give my life to Jesus. I didn't either. But I prayed it knowing this. You know what? I need God. And God will make good on it. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes just for a moment. If you're here today and you'd say, I'm that person that I'm not sure I'm right with God or I'm pretty sure I'm not. But I would love to get right with God. I'm not going to call you forward. But I would like to know who would be here today that would say, if God will take me like I am but not leave me this way, then I would love to pray that prayer with you. If that's you and everyone else's eyes are closed and heads are bowed, but I just would like to know between you, me, and Jesus, who wants to pray the most powerful prayer you'll ever pray in your life? And that's going to pray that with me right now. Would you just look up at me and catch my eye and just wave at me so I can see? Bob, I want to pray that prayer with you today. That's awesome. That's great. That's great. Wonderful. Now, I may miss you, but I promise you, Jesus did not. As I pray this prayer, just whisper under your breath, yes. Just say a yes as I pray on your behalf. Jesus, I come before you today on behalf of my friends. They would say, God, I don't know if I'm right with you. But I don't want to leave here not right with you. I admit to you today that I'm a sinner and I want you to become my savior. Will you forgive me of every sin I've ever committed? Come into my heart. I want to be what the Bible says is born again. I thank you for taking me like I am, but not leaving me this way. I pray this all in Jesus' name. And all the church shouted, amen. Will you give God praise today? Come on, let's praise God for how good he is.